This is the business of sports. Should Major League Baseball shorten up the season? How do we present football to the audience of the future? I don't think that most players understand the power that they have. Michael Barr. The future of IndyCar racing is looking bright. Scott Soshnick. Very basic math here. More bidders means more money. Evan Novi williams The team value has essentially quadrupled. And the leaders in the sports industry. Time to bring in our guest, Hal Steinbrenner. National Hockey League Commissioner Gary Bettman. Atlanta Braves President Derek Schiller. Patriots President Jonathan Kraft. Bloomberg Business of Sports. From Bloomberg Radio. Hello, I'm Michael Barr. I'm Evan Novi williams And I'm Scott Soshnick. Over the next hour on this Memorial Day special, we will look back at all the business of sports news that happened in the first half of 2019, and we will talk about what we look forward to for the rest of the year. Let's start with the first story. Something that I'm thinking about, something near Top of mind, to top me. of mind from Michael Barr. He's pointing to his brain. To, yes, pointing to my top head. Top of mind. I'm thinking of the uh, NFL draft that uh, just happened last month. And Forbes magazine had a good article. They said, what if the NFL draft was run like the NBA draft with ping pong balls? And they said that it would work out that the number one pick would wind up being the Jacksonville Jaguars. Oh. Evans team. Yeah. <laughs> but see, it brings back... Tony Baselli. It, 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 Fred why? Taylor. I, I still say it. Yeah, Mark Brunel. Mark Brunel. Jimmy McCardell. Yeah, Jimmy, Jimmy McCardell. There we go. Kyle Brady. Look at this. Oh, Kyle Brady. I forgot yeah, about Yeah, I forgot Brady. about him. New York Jets. Yeah. It, I, I come back to the same thing. Why does the NBA have the uh, ping pong balls? It does not make any sense to me. I know we talked about this, and you guys said, yes, it does, Bar. So if we've talked about it. And you just reject the thinking. I'm I not do. Sure what left there is to say. I do. For I all the folks who are driving home right now from their wonderful Memorial Day, stuck in traffic, you think how many of them are pounding their head on the steering wheels, going, "Why can't Bar get this?" <laughs> no, I'm just saying I'm I'm resistant to it. I think there's a better way to approach the NBA draft. By the way, friend of the program Steve Horowitz was listening the other day, <laughs> and he said he I, we literally kept him good company, laughing at me comparing my calf injury to Kevin Durant. <laughs> Yeah, I was I was kind of chuckling about that. It's like myself. yes, you and the finely tuned MVP athlete of the NBA. Yes, good good analogy there, Evan. You want to explain it to Bar? Yeah, I guess I'm I'm a, for first of all, I have a question. You you think the NBA's system is worse or better than the NFL's? I think it's worse. You think it's worse? Like so you just think worst team number one pick, second worst team number two pick. You think it should go that way, the way the NFL does? I, I think it should, but there should be a disclaimer involved in it because you're going to have any, every team just throwing games away. Well, that's the point. That's yeah, what they so, used to uh, have. That's what they found. The disclaimer is the ping pong. But the, the lottery system is the NBA's answer to the fact that, hey, sometimes we have generational players like LeBron James or, or this year Zion Williamson, um, and, and the incentive to be the worst team is so high occasionally how, that teams this, are willing what, yeah, to throw Evan, away this How season. many teams would be 0-82 if, if LeBron James were available again next year? You'd have a few teams who were willing to lose every game. See, I disagree that ain't with good that. Good for the league. I disagree with that. You do because you got to go through the season, and you're going to yeah. lose a fan base, which means you're going to lose revenue. But you're going to get the fa- yeah, but that's one year. But then you're going to get the generational player that will have everything skyrocket for the next ten years. One year is a lot of money. Man. No, 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 no. But don't forget, by the way, season tickets are laddered. You you don't have all your season tickets come up in one fell swoop. That that's just bad business. Probably what do you, I'm not exactly. What do you think? I've been ten, twenty percent of season tickets every year, you ladder it mm. to prevent that sort of big drop-off. 
So you promo it saying like, "Come on, you promo it." Look at the Philadelphia 76ers. There's the process. See, we have a process. If the team can actually get into double digits and scores, no, yes. no, man. It, it, I, and what the NBA doesn't want to do is legislate. Remember when the Spurs rested like Tim Duncan and a bunch of their star players? The NBA didn't want to have that. You have the fine balance of: Do you want to tell the team they have to play their players when it's a coach's job to not just win one game? It's the coach's job to win the championship. So if Greg Popovich thinks it's in his best interest for his star players not to even go on the trip and rest them back home, then you've got people on the road who bought tickets to see the Spurs. They're angry, which is bad for the NBA. So then they need to tell a team, you can't do that. So the compromise was... Your players don't have to play, but they have to be there. They have to sit on the bench. So at least the the people who paid money to see Tim Duncan, they can see him sitting on a bench. That's a silly solution also. I, I do think that you've, you've kind of hit on a, a topic that you know we can talk about also moving forward in 2019. One of the big shifts I think it's happening in sports business right now is this idea that leagues are doing so much revenue sharing. You know, media money is so important, national media money especially, so important for a lot of these leagues uh, that the incentives to be really good are kind of dissipating a little bit. And, and it's happening, you mentioned basketball for sure, it's happening I think a lot in baseball right now. There are serious questions about how many baseball teams are entering this season expecting to be a potential playoff team and how many are, are not. Are, are, are not spending the money, are definitely making the money because of the robust revenue sharing that exists, and how much do fans care about it, right? I mean, we talked about the NBA and, and, and NHL playoffs happening simultaneously right now. The NBA playoffs have been, you know, the, very much the better teams are winning. It's, it's you know, the, the top seeds move on. NHL playoffs have not been that way. But if you look at, you know, casual viewership numbers, if you look at ratings, the, the, the parity in the NHL might be hurting them from a business standpoint, and it's not necessarily hurting the NBA. Dare we say parity is overrated, Mr. Novi Williams? Maybe we should. <laughs> give, me, give me the superstar player on the superstar team. People love the Warriors. Yeah, but it does, again, kind of begs the question about, you know, is is the structure of, of big American leagues right now and owning a team, is it set up in a way right now that winning is not as important as maybe it was 15 years ago when you were so reliant on your ticket sales that, as you're talking about as you well know, versus your media? As you well know, that all depends on who owns the franchise. Somebody's going to be motivated to win. Somebody's going to be motivated to cash the revenue sharing money. Sure. So it really just comes from the top. How does somebody want to go? Like Milwaukee could be just keep the money, but... Lassery, Eden's dying. They just want to win. Oh, man. You know, we've been doing this long enough bar where I get a sense. I don't know, but I get a sense that perhaps that maybe like there's a chance you had another thought about the leagues and the way they govern. Uh, I, I think perhaps if I may put my little wizard hat on, maybe a San Antonio Spurs point, a, a Greg Popovich point still to come from you. Well, there you Am I are. Right? Am I there right? you are, wizard man. Thank you. <laughs> I was just thinking one thing about it. Popovich did make me laugh when you mentioned that he sat Tim Duncan. It was like the whole team. It was the like Ginobili, Parker, Duncan. Yeah. Like nobody played. And he and and he put the reason down for Tim Duncan. Old. Oh Remember yeah, that? he old. <laughs> yeah. Although the best part was, and Stern, David Stern was the commissioner when he did it. I remember watching the game. Because I wanted to see if Popovich would have the ultimate huzzah there at the end. Yeah. Because I, I mean, it was either a one or two point game in the final minute or went to it was really close. The Spurs played all there. So if I'm Pop, I like 
I like the outcome justifies my, we could have won the game anyway. Plus I rested my guys. I know what's best for my team. Yeah. I and then mean, he probably went out to a very expensive dinner with lots of wine. And then they find him. And then they find him. <laughs> but they get what they want. <laughs> Anyhow, you know what, Eben? Biggest story so far of the year. Sports betting? Sports betting, I, in my opinion, yeah. yeah. I mean, I think yeah. it's got to be sports betting right now. I mean, it's changing the industry, rapidly growing. I mean, every commissioner is still sort of saying, yeah, well, it's what the fans want. Like Gary Bettman recently. I mean, he was against it. And he's just saying, well, it's what the fans want. I think the fans have wanted it for some time, just you couldn't make money on it. Now you can. Yeah, and we, we've seen, I and mean, people who listen to the show a lot, you know, we've, we've covered all these big media deals that have happened. We've covered sponsorship and marketing deals between leagues and operators. Uh, one thing we don't talk a lot about, but is happening very quickly, at least, you know, in the past couple weeks, there are a lot of states right now, legislators around the country who are passing their own bills, trying to figure out their own, you know, what legalization within their own borders looks like uh again you know this year we're going to have a number more states come on next year there's going to be even more we're eventually going to get to a a big number and when that happens you know there's going to be a lot more money coming in there's going to be a lot more advertising that people are going to see you know as more jurisdictions become legal Uh, and there's a whole you know there's a whole host of other things i mean we're talking about the the spurs and what they wrote on their you know injury report when tim duncan wasn't playing you know there, there are aspects of Sports that you know, I think traditional fans don't necessarily. So the think baseball lineups now have to go to the Spurs. Not for yeah. Elon. No. For yeah. Elon. No. You know the peripheral things around sports that are going to be different because more and more people are gambling on it in a, in a legal regulated environment here in the U.S. Uh, and I'm fascinated to see over the course of both the next year and the next five years all the different ways that manifests itself and whether you know sports betters are excited about those changes and whether people who are not sports betters uh, are upset by the way their their experience with the sports are changing. And you know better than most, it's not so much the number of states, but it's which states. We got to get For was sure. it Joe Asher was talking about, was it Joe who was talking about, well, as soon as we get the big, the New York, the California, yeah. that's Illinois, you, yeah. New York, Florida, California, So when Texas. is that going to happen? Give me, give it me your totally best depends on the, I mean, I, New York could have been last year. It could have been this year, maybe next year. Uh, Florida. New has Jersey, own, very happy, by the way, with that New York dragging its feet. I assume people are, you know, driving across the river or Yeah, that's a train. good point, actually. The, the numbers out of New York or New Jersey are are pretty staggering. Uh, and they, New Jersey passed both land-based and mobile gaming, which no, is... Yeah, could, could, the, one more, <laughs> if I have to jump in again. Yes. Explain to me these places that did not understand that mobile was critical. Yeah, Explain there, are, there, are, there are a lot of states, and, and it's, I mean, it may still happen. There may still be more states that legalize sports gambling, but only do it, you know, through entrenched brick and mortar casinos. That's crazy. Uh, which, yes, is a is certainly hindering, you know, the convenience for your for your better. It's also probably severely hindering the amount that's going to be wagered. Yeah, if you, and if you the, want the, the revenue, revenue, if you want the tax revenue on it, geez, without yeah, make question. it easy for people to lose their money. And I mean, the, pa- the past gamble. month or so, you've seen some stories about, you know, hey, you know, a lot of states legalized this thinking this huge windfall was coming and it never did those are typically those are generally the states that didn't authorize the the mobile piece of it right maybe they need to have betting windows at walmart and target <laughs> i wouldn't be shocked if that, Seri- if I'm that being, happens i'm being dead serious where, like what are the brick and mortar that's succeeding right now where do people go where do you see the most people brick and mortar? well okay let me give you an example with i know your applebee's in their pockets yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but i mean in, in pennsylvania at any moment we could have 
online gambling. You get your moonshine, you get your fireworks, and your online gambling. I don't need gambling for moonshine. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but the point is, it and it, you and you brought it up, Evan and Scott, is that the mobile part where you can just whip your phone out and make the bet is the critical part. That's where in New Jersey, where they're making a, a boatload of money, the majority of it with the online betting. And, and then as for California, it's going to be a while before they get their act together. Yeah, the the New Jersey's numbers just so just so listeners understand, uh, it, it they didn't you know it legalized in June I believe, um, so it hasn't been a full year yet. But but in just those ten months, I believe the 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 handle total it's almost three billion dollars. Uh, Nevada's yearly handle is around five, so expectations are that even possibly in the entirety of 2019. New Jersey could either roughly reach or maybe even surpass what the handle is in Nevada. And that's a state that has been doing this for decades. Right? I am totally interested now in finding out when New York legalizes, what's the percentage of dollars wagered from New Yorkers crossing the river versus those who are just sort of based in New Jersey. Well, my $5 Stanley Cup bets are going to be shifting back to New York, I can tell you that. <laughs> well, exactly. And I'm wondering how much, we don't have the breakdown, I'm, somebody maybe can give us an estimate. I'm very curious as to how what what the dollar figure is, what percentage of the total dollars wagered is from folks crossing the river. Although there, you are taking your life well, in your hands if you're taking New Jersey Transit. When you're I have the to only, get my shot in every time. When, you, when you're the only thing in town, yeah. Uh, people you're not even coming, in town. You're close to town. <laughs> you're you're going to be coming from New York. You're going to be coming from Pennsylvania. You're going to be coming in, uh, if you wanted to, from Connecticut. But once these states, like I said, the moment Pennsylvania gets settled down, you're right. I, I will probably be making my bets in Pennsylvania uh, just simply from the fact that I can do more research right. on the bet. I was even thinking about Philadelphia, that you can just drive across the bridge as well. Big yeah, city, number four yeah. market, where you could just go right across the bridge and you're in New Jersey, okay, recognize and place your bets. Guys, let's combine some two big stories that we've been talking about for the past year. Sports betting and some of the changes that are happening there. The biggest sports business story over the past couple years has certainly been changes in the media landscape. And these two stories are combining. You know, we recently saw Fox buying a 5% stake of Stars Group, which is a gambling operator. Fox is launching Foxbet, its own sports betting platform. ESPN has a equity stake in DraftKings. They have a big partnership with Caesars to provide odds and data and more shows and content across ESPN's platform. Scott, this is just the beginning of what I think is going to be a big dive by big media companies into the sports betting world. Yeah, we've got The Score, which is a media company, obviously, focusing on this. I like the partnerships. I like seeing who's going with who. We knew Stars was talking to everybody. We didn't know they would wind up with Fox, but not surprising that the Murdochs are not shy about doing big and bold, and there they were, first to uh, first to do it, and the, the plans are interesting. Uh, you have the blueprint with Skybet, right? Mm-hmm. So now they're just going to see if they can sort of transport that model to the U.S., and my guess would be that it's going to work. <laughs> well, I'd like to ask something, though, is that in, in, in Scott and Evan, the Big money deals that's taking place with media outlets, uh, and you can stream the game, you can wherever. But does that now lead to why we are seeing such low attendance at ballparks, especially in baseball? Because 
hey, why go to the ballpark when I can stay at home and watch the game in HD or, or whatever, or stream it or wherever well, that, I am? But that was already there, so I'm not sure if betting is the reason. You could have watched in your 60-inch HD for years now. It, that That's preference, and I still say, as one who has to take his almost 10-year-old to these events, it's the dollars and cents. To me, it'll always be the dollars and cents. If I was in Atlanta and I can go to that building and the soda's two bucks and the hot dog's a dollar fifty, okay. But I live in a market where the soda is six bucks and the hot dog is seven bucks and the popcorn is seven bucks. And this is a very expensive night afternoon out. It really is. And that's not changing in New York, it's not changing in LA. Maybe in some other markets it can. I don't know. But I love what Arthur Blank did in that stadium in Mercedes-Benz because it would – I'm just – I can always speak for myself. It would certainly play a role in my saying, yes, let's go to the game. I bought two drinks at the Barclays Center. In the first five minutes. In, in, the, in the first five <laughs> minutes. There, there were two rum and Cokes. One for me, oh. one for my wife. Oh, okay. I should add that. Let me make sure. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> $44. Oh, my God. That is amazing. <laughs> yeah. And I, I'm not going to dump on any one arena, but that's part of the, yeah, that's that's the way it's going to be. And I had asked Brett Yormark, who, who runs that place, uh, what about that model in Atlanta or whatever? It's never going to, I mean, it's never going to happen. It's just not part of the business model here. It's not who comes to the building. That's just the way it is. And he said the biggest thing they look for, by the way, their, their biggest problem they're trying to solve that, that the fans tell them, ingress and egress. How to get in, how to get out quickly. Right. They're still working on that. It certainly does feel as though, to your point, Michael, that so much of the, the innovation that we're seeing right now happening in sports business is focusing on the kind of at-home experience of viewing these games. And I, I do think it's kind of affecting the calculus in people's own heads about whether to go or whether to watch on TV. Um, the NHL did a really interesting event out in Vegas earlier this year, kind of showcasing all the things it wanted to do with data. And a part of that was the data it wanted to give to sports gambling companies to, to help them make better and, and cooler and more interesting, enticing markets. Uh, they also focused a lot on what viewing NHL games in the next five years is going to look like, right? And that is the data of how hard that shot was, how fast that guy is skating, uh, a, a lot more information on the screen. There's so much going on right now, VR and AR, which you know some people think is a fad that has come and gone already ready or some people still think may be the future um there's a lot about the 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 viewership experience for sports that is being fine-tuned that that is being datafied that that is new technology is making very interesting and i don't see that necessarily happening as much on the in-stadium experience side you know certainly cheaper concessions helps there are some interesting companies out there that are dealing with ingress and egress and you know using computer vision technology to see where the longest lines are for bathrooms for food etc but it does feel as though a disproportionate amount of the innovation happening right now is happening to make it more enticing to watch games be it on your phone or sitting why is that Evan? i say it again here's what's my favorite word in sports business Uh, scale (laughs) it's about scale because in the building there's a certain number of seats certain number of games do the math there's your number you're talking about distributing highlights and everything else that's a, that's a much bigger number. Totally. All right, let's switch gears. What do you got for me, Bar? I was thinking about it when we were talking about this, about trying to make the experience for the viewer at home more enjoyable, but I want to flip that 
to where now people complained about what were these people thinking when they were covering this sport. And I get golf is a classic example. The, the golf audience is totally different. So when they recently aired the uh, PGA Championship, yes, remember back in the day when they had the puck and the puck had the chip and you saw the streak? The fox, and, yeah. yeah. And it went around and whatever. Yeah. Well, The fox the, red tail on the puck. CBS tried that. Yeah. When they, when they would take the shot and you'd see the streak go up in the air and come down wherever it is. And the golf audience hated it, which I, I thought it was a good idea. But I guess you got to know your audience when you're doing these things. And and there have been kind of slip-ups. Well, people that people argue. Any, any change, you know how it is. They, if they change anything at the office, they make you do something a little different. You, you moan about it, and then a couple of days later you're used to it, and it's no big deal. Yeah, well, let's see if it's... But it's also a core audience for golf. They have a bigger problem, and they know the, the core audience isn't going to shut the tournament off, right? right? If I'm a golf fan, I'm not shutting off the PGA Championship because of this tale. I'll complain about it, fine. The question is, is it bringing new people to the game? Are they growing the audience, which is what they're trying to do? Is Brooks Kepka making it happen? <laughs> That's what they need to find out. Yes, Brooks Kepka. Right. I like it. Who I still wouldn't know if he sat down in the studio right now. I had no idea if it's Brooks Kepka. We we talked about this a couple months ago when Tiger won the Masters, which for my money is one of the bigger sports business stories that uh, we saw. Maybe the biggest saw, story of the year. Uh, yeah, in 2019. Yeah. Um, it, it still amazes me that we're still having this exact same conversation that if we had a podcast in 2011, we would probably be having the, the same conversation again. Where is golf right now? Is it too reliant on Tiger Woods? What happens if he never returns but to the to the level that he was at can zion uh, williamson swing a stick <laughs> <laughs> also a big story for, from 2019 i'm not trying right? to segue like i'm just trying to say like they, they need something i don't know yeah the the brooks kepka to me is a, is a nice example of where golf is right where the, he's a tremendously talented player he's the best player in the world right now certainly in the big tournaments right. um but is he moving the needle are people right. people aren't you know flooding to events right now to, to follow every Look shot at the he numbers hits. of the draft lottery on tv though Look at the number well, of people who tuned in to see where Zion Williamson was going to go. Mm -hmm. See, now now that brings me to the next point when I'm talking about the media. Okay. Is that, uh, okay, the NBA draft, that's one thing. The NFL draft, that's something else altogether. But is it being oversaturated, especially in the NFL? I mean, now we're watching the Combine. I mean, it goes Dude, on. do you see the number of people who yeah. tune in? It may not be <laughs> for you. These are huge events. These draw so many eyeballs for nothing. Some stuff that I used to read in the paper. Yeah. Yeah, Agate is big eyeball draw now. Are you kidding me? They've made a huge event out of the draft. Kudos to the NFL. It's the power of the NFL that the draft, that the combine have become these crazy events. To see a guy do some, like, you know, two and a quarter bench press and running. And, I mean, I'd rather watch Darren Ravel run. <laughs> that, that's that Which drew is some something. yeah that drew some eyeballs. I, so speaking of business stories of the year, like, I mean, give me Ravel running the forty again, uh, Darren. I hope you're listening. All meant in good fun, oh, but I mean it's amazing what will draw eyeballs in the NFL for everything we say. By the way, I, guess, I mean we might have done this whole show, the whole show, and passed over the NFL. Um, but they're ramping up sort of that next media deal. So, you know, they're, they're ramping up for next and for Amazon and for and for the Fangs. They are still the gorilla. For all we talk about scale and, and international, and um, we, we have other owners saying maybe the NBA will surpass that. For now, the NBA may not be the 800-pound gorilla, 
but they're the 775 pound gorilla, and they still are king. There's no one close. No I mean, one. Close. There's no one within five billion dollars of right. the and, of the and, NFL's. And I, I'm really excited to revenue. see if they keep that, if that trajectory towards you know the 25 billion in 2027, whatever Rogers' number was. Yeah. It's going to be fun to see how they get there. Would be remiss if we if we went through this whole 2019 kind of preview episode and didn't talk a little bit about college sports. Um, I have not been. I've been pretty vocal in in my thoughts on college sports from its governance standpoint. Uh, but one thing, I, and I can't believe I'm saying this, I do think that college sports has been a very interesting kind of subset or, or, or study on the future of, of sports media. And we're seeing some of the more interesting kind of media, new media deals. You talk about the Fangs, your Facebooks, your Amazons, your Apple, your NFL Netflix. Network, yeah, that the, kind of thing. There's a lot of really interesting things happening right now with college football from a broadcasting standpoint. You mentioned Conference USA last week announced NFL Network deal. They're going to show ten games live on on NFL Network. We have some conferences that are going all in with ESPN, like we saw with the Sun Belt Conference and the Ivy League. We've had you know the Pac-12 Network, right, which is kind of selling a stake in its in its media enterprise uh mountain west the conference that has boise state san diego state among others i would expect them maybe as early as this year to be the first major college conference to get rid of tv altogether yeah and go digital only they have they're very frustrated about the start times for their football games because they're beholden to tv there's a lot of really interesting business the big, ideas but the most interesting and the big one that i'm waiting to see is the stake sale in the Pac-12 sure. media entity. Because yeah. Yeah. that's going to give a valuation to a conference that has not only the marquee teams, known commodities in the big-time sports, but also for the scale of the Olympic sports, the swimming, the diving, the others around the world. So it's going to be very interesting to see. Is it private equity going to take a piece in this because they see growth? Is it a strategic? I, I don't know. But uh, the Rain Group is out there. You know, we, We've had Colin on the show, Colin Neville of Rain. Um, going to be very interesting to see what happens with that stake sale. How much, and does Larry Scott manage to, because he's got all his rights at, at once, does he manage then to propel the Pac-12 back up to where the SEC and the Big 12 have been? Yeah, so so some numbers for you from, from tax filings. Hey, uh, this is Evan, B. Evan oh, being man. Evan. Evan the, being Evan. I love it. The Pac-12 last season distributed $29.5 million to each of its schools, most of that money is is the media money, obviously. Of the other big fi- power five conferences, Big 12, 34.7 million, so a little higher than the Pac-12. SEC, 43.7 million. Big 10, 54 million. So among even the power five conferences, there is this huge financial gap. I mean, the, the Big 10 is almost double what the Pac-12 is sharing every year. I was hoping for a Barbo Nelly. From a a media standpoint. (laughs) Um, So just to show you, A, what's at stake for the Pac-12, and also another kind of bigger point about college sports, the the inequity gap, the gap between the haves and the have-nots. And don't think those school presidents aren't looking at Larry Scott saying, ahem... Uh, what, and what the is, seat under Larry Scott is hot well, right and the, now. Yeah. Their the recent tax saying. filing, right? Their tax filing from last year just came out. What did he make? About six million dollars? Yeah, he's. I believe he's the highest paid commissioner in uh, uh, in right. all of college. So sports. he he has theoretically set himself up and the members up for a big payday at the Pac-12. He is right to bet on content. Now he just has to deliver. Now he just well, has to make it happen. Okay, now, now which brings me to this point, when you talk about college sports, Dabo Swinney, uh, who is not a fan of the college athletes 
getting paid. <laughs> and he said, now, Mermanau, he's what, making $9 million a I'm year? I'm sure he'd quit out of protest. Well, he said he would just go to the pros. I'm sure he would. And make less money. And make, yeah, and, and make, make less money. Less the man being money. paid $10 million a year doesn't think his industry should be professionalized. Yeah, right. th that, that <laughs> right. kind of boggles my right. mind. So, I, and, which brings me back to the point, okay, we love our college football. We love the NFL. You tell me it's like you, as long as you get the eyeballs, people will view in. Yeah. Why did the AAF collapse? They didn't have the money. Done. Okay. <laughs> so here's a, here's a few other topics we had, Barb, that Evan and I spitballed earlier. You tell me which one of these you want to discuss. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> I did it on the air. Dun, 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 dun. All right, Tom Dundon. That was, that was our Tom Dundon, by the way. Uh, so you tell me, ready? We have the RSN sale, the Fox RSN sale. We had Zion Williamson. We touched on him. Knicks may be getting Durant, Kyrie mm -hmm. Irving. Uh, the Raiders and Las Vegas, yep. that stadium. Kaepernick still, 2020 election. Kaepernick, Ram Stadium, five-plus billion dollars. Migration to Asia, sports content. Bar, which one do you want? To I want the Raiders. The Raiders, okay. Raiders. And uh, it works for football because you're going to play in the wintertime in Las Vegas. Great. Uh, you can't have a summer sport like a baseball team in Las Vegas. They have That's a minor a, league team in Las Vegas, you know, don't it's, they? It's, well, Didn't it's, Bryce Harper play there? It, it would have, I think it's a night game, though, isn't it? Still pretty you know, warm in the summer. But in the night? Yes. In, in, I mean, in, in Vegas, it's like it's, it's the desert for crying out yeah. loud. For me, it's still about the $750 million public subsidy for the building. That's why that's why that stadium happened, and it's going to be very interesting again to see who's going to put the name on the building, right? Uh, which is going to be the bigger one, the Vegas or, or L.A. in terms of naming rights? Barcelona's got a naming rights LA, coming up. I think, I the, think L.A. too because one, it's number yeah. two. But you're going to get a yeah. darn good naming rights, and it's going to be way more. As you know, Eben, these deals are about how can we do multiple things? How do we incorporate? How do we fully in? Um, with, that stadium will not be done this year, right? That that right. that will finish in 2020 yeah. in time for the 2020 for, nfl season yeah so yeah you remember the raiders for a while we're looking for a place to play yeah we, we didn't know uh we knew they'd find one but uh all all those things are really you mentioned the knicks yeah, briefly in there i think yeah. it's worth touching on them um didn't you know they, they had one of the best chances to, to land zion they didn't in the draft lottery however as we've said before on the show they have a lot of cap room they're going to get the number three draft pick who's going to be you know, RJ Barrett. A, 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 a big name, someone that, that fans can get excited about. Plus free agents. The Knicks revival, and and also we didn't you didn't mention it there, but what's going on with the Lakers also right now is a fascinating business story as well. The two best known, highest value franchises in the NBA are both going through a, a very big transition this year. We'll be interested to see how both of those shake out. And that was our look back and look forward at some of the biggest sports stories that we thought were the top stories of 2019. You've been listening to Bloomberg Business of Sports Memorial Day show special. And by the way, thank you for listening. Uh, I know you, many of you have the day off, but remember what this day is really all about. And we appreciate all the people that uh, gave their lives for our country. Uh, we're here each and every week at the same time. Plus online as a podcast. You can catch that Mondays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays. I'm Michael Barr on Twitter at Big Bar Sports. I'm Evan Novi Williams at Novi underscore Williams. And I'm Scott Soshnick. You can follow me on Twitter at Soshnick. Thanks very much for joining us. And please tune in at the end of the week when we speak with Facebook's Dan Reed. You're listening to Bloomberg Business of Sports from Bloomberg Radio around the world. <laughs> <laughs>